0: It's our prayer that this message from God's word will deeply impact your life. Good morning and welcome to, to Portico. If you are brand new, please make sure following the service that you come and uh, meet myself and Pastor Heather and some of our lead team uh, down at the Info Center. We would love to meet you and talk with you, and uh, we're just so honored and blessed that you would. Uh, come by and join us today. Uh, We are in a new series uh, today called This is Living, Choosing Joy in Life's Everyday Moments. Now, I'm sure when you hear this, uh, joy in life's everyday moments, you might think that's a lot of moments, right? Uh, Joy in every moment. Maybe how about some moments, right or or how about a few moments right or how about a lot of moments but not every moment you know some of you might be in the room here and and you're like have you ever taken an essay right? Like, have you ever gone to school? It is hard. Some of you parents, you know, you had this dream of uh, of one day, you know, be- being parents and-, and being in a career with this beautiful house and-, and, you know, two plus cars and these sweet, wonderful children. And that was your dream. And now your dream is being an empty nester, right? Like, Dreams change, and and there's a lot of these things that are going on where we're trying to find joy in life's everyday moments, but it's not always easy, right? Sometimes it's like, joy in every moment. Have you met my in-laws, right? We we have these things that we... Some of you are like, it's so true. I just don't want to laugh because they're right beside me, right? Uh, Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? But we have we have these experiences that we go through on a regular basis where we, where we say, can we really have joy in every moment? But the thing is, is the Bible constantly encourages us to have joy in life's everyday moments. But how is this possible? How is it possible Well, last week we discussed and and we discovered that joy is not determined by our outward circumstances, but rather our inward commitment, our commitment to Christ and and relying on, on Christ's strength. And when we fully trust in God and commit our ways to Him, Not only will we find joy, but we will find ourselves in uncharted adventures uh, that will take us to places we never thought we'd be or go, doing things we'd never thought that we would do, um, and see things we never thought we would see with people we never thought we would be doing things with. Like, can you imagine yourself doing life with everyone in this room? Like, how did we get? here, where all of us from all walks of life, doesn't matter matter your, your culture, your, your clothes, or your color, we're all here in this room together doing life together. This is what the adventure that God has called us to leads us to. And so today I want to touch on that. So open up your Bibles to Philippians 1, Philippians 1, 1 to 11. We're going to be reading today. Um, why don't you go ahead while you're doing that multitask a little bit. And I just want you to look at your neighbor and just say, you're looking so swell today. If, if, if your spouse is beside you, say something nicer. Okay. Yeah. Swell will not get you anything you want in the day. Okay. Uh, so say something nicer. Um. Yeah. Okay. Philippians 1, 1 to 11. Just a little context for you. Paul is on this new adventure because he's put his trust completely uh, in Christ. And he's on this new adventure and he's met a lot of incredible people as a result. And they start this church and the the, the church just starts to expand and it, it starts to grow. But Paul can't stay long. And so what ends up happening is he leaves, but there's this deep relationship that builds as a result. And, and, uh, and eventually he, he winds up in prison. And so it's the church in Philippi, this growing church, that ends up bringing gifts to him to help him while he's in prison. He's in prison because he shared the gospel. And he's about to stand before Caesar, this, this king who literally rules basically the known world. And he's going to be standing in front of him. And, uh, but, but before he does that, he wants to actually give some encouragement to the people. So out of gratitude for the, the gift that they gave him, he, he writes them this letter to encourage and strengthen them. So let's see what Paul has to say. And let's see if we can actually glean anything from his letter here. Philippians 1, 1-11 says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus... Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you, and with the affection of Christ Jesus, Paul doesn't stay there long, but you can see that the relationship that these two people had, this where Paul and, and the church of Philippi had this deep relationship. There was there was this significant impact in both of their lives. And when you read this passage, one thing you start seeing a lot is words like share or or partnership or together. And and you get this sense that Paul's joy is a product of this partnership and this joy. So let me ask you today, what does it mean to be in partnership together? When we talk about all of us in this room today, what does it mean to be in partnership together? Well, first of all, it means that we have a shared journey. You and I have a shared journey Philippians 1, 7, since he says that, um, that all of us share in God's grace. Each one of you sharing God's grace with me. Paul is saying it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you're doing. We're all in this together. And actually, if you, if you read through the New Testament, most of the books that were written uh, were written by Paul. And he's trying to get this theme across to the churches scattered throughout the area. He'll say not only things like, all of you share in, in God's grace with me. He'll say things like, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to each other. So we're all a part of the body of Christ. So one of us is, a, is an arm. One of us is, is an eye, right? We each have a, a different part. One of us, you know, is a hip. The other one is a butt. If he called us the body of Christ, you know there's a reality to that. Don't be that person, okay? Don't be that person. Um, but we're all a part of the body of Christ. And actually the Bible says that we're citizens. We're not just, we're not just these random people, but we're actually citizens together. You and I today, we're more than just people gathering in a room. We're family, we're, we're citizens. And what Paul is, so, so we need to ask ourselves, what is Paul trying to get across to the church. What is he trying to say when he's using these words like partnership and and share and we're all a part of the body? We're we're all in this together. We're citizens of heaven. We're we're members of God's household. What he's trying to get across to the church, and I encourage you write this down if 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 you feel necessary, is that personal faith is never a solitary journey. Personal faith is never a solitary journey it is not isolated from others you need to check this out it's not isolated from others this is not a kingdom principle that is an earthly habit right when we when we become solitary it's not a kingdom value it's not a kingdom principle That's actually just an earthly habit when we start separating ourselves from others. When the church and people isolate themselves from each other, we actually miss out on a great source of strength and blessing that comes with being together. We need each other. We need each other on a weekly basis. We need each other on a daily basis. There's this story in Judges... 18, Judges 18, and, and it says, it, it, it talks about a, a group of people that l- were living in the town of Leish, okay, and it says that five men came to Leish, where they saw that the people were living in safety like the Sidonians, at peace and secure, and since their land lacked nothing, they were prosperous, although they lived long from the Sidonians, the Bible says they, they live far away, and they had no relation with anyone else. Check that. So there's these people that are living prosperous. Life is good for them. They're happy. They're content. They don't need anything. And, and the Bible adds that they had no relationship with anyone. They didn't need anyone. They had everything they needed. So these five men went back and they, they told their army about this prosperous land. And so the Bible says that these soldiers attacked them with the sword and burned down their city. There was no one to rescue them because they lived a long way from Sidon and had no relation with anyone. You see what's going on right there? A lot of the times we think when life is good, that we're good. We, we don't need anyone. I, I'm just doing my thing. Work is going well, family is going well, school is going well, relationships are going well. Why do I need the church? Right? Why do I need to come this Sunday? Why do I need to be involved in, in some aspect of the church? Everything is going well. And just like the, the people in here, they had this thought that, hey, We don't need anyone else around us. We're good right now. And because of the fact that they had no relation with anyone outside of their own people, they were destroyed. And it's the same with us, friends. We need each other. Each of us plays a significant piece in the development of each one of our lives. Each of us has a significant piece to play in the development of each other's lives. When you don't show, others miss you. You might think you're not that important. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're that important. I, uh, I remember uh, a, a few years back, I was um, really, really out of shape. And so I thought, what's a good way to get back in shape? And I was like, Soccer. That's a terrible idea to get back in shape. There's so much running. <laughs> Jeez. And so anyways, I joined this, uh, this men's league, and I was playing soccer. And uh, on a weekly basis, something would happen that would really affect the rest of the team. We would, we would show up, and there would be pe- people that just decided not to come out. They, they just thought, you know what? Things are busy. Life is really busy. You got a lot to do. I'm just going to... I'm going to not show up today. And so if you know anything about soccer is, is that you can, you can still play with a certain amount of people, right? It just means you have to cover more area, right? Or, or maybe if you get uh, penalized, that doesn't happen in, in Christian leagues ever, but uh, ever, right? Um, but uh, w- when that happens, Right, we're not allowed to sub someone in. It just means there's a lack of a person, and so I remember on a regular basis playing these games, having to sprint because I'm like, okay, so I'll be uh, left side defense and left side mid, okay. And if you know the size of a field, that's crazy. That's that goes away from fun to torture, right? (laughs) That's what it becomes, and it's the same way when it comes to the church. When you're not here, we miss out. We miss out on your encouragement. We miss out on the blessing that you could provide and the strength that you can provide. And we miss out on giving the strength and blessing to you, helping you as well. We need each other, not only to grow, but to help others grow as we share in this journey together. We've got a video here Uh, for you just in regards to this take a look at the side screen so one thing that we believe is a a wonderful model to have in our church is our growth groups where people are getting together and doing life outside of this building Um, and so this is a way for you to grow like he said you know rows are nice but it'd be better in a circle. It's better doing life together. And so uh, Leslie here in the front, he's he's in charge of our growth groups. If you're not a part of a growth group, I'd encourage you after the service to sign up a place where you can do life with people, where it's not just you doing life on your own or or with your own family, but where your families are getting together and doing life together. Because at the end of the day, there's two things that we need to be doing. We need to be growing, and we need to be helping other people grow. We need to be helping people find their way back to God, being in partnership together. And so another thing that we learn when we read Paul's text is that partnership together also means you have a shared purpose. You have a shared purpose. I remember hearing a story once about a theologian named Broughton Knox, Broughton Knox from uh, uh, England, and uh, he served as a chaplain in the British Navy during World War II uh, on a ship that was preparing for uh, D-Day and the invasion into Normandy. And he noted that, that on this trip, as they were getting ready to go, he noted that regardless of rank, Uh, everyone was focused on the invasion success. People weren't looking at status or or weren't looking at uh, appearance. They weren't looking at rank. But everyone was solely committed to this invasion and the success of the invasion of Normandy. No one thought of their own interests, but only how they could help their shipmates in their commonly shared tasks and he actually noticed and he said himself he said you know it was it was the strangest thing that when we were all on this this one task this one success it's the happiest I've ever been in my life and when I was talking to other shipmates they were saying the same thing that they were they were happier as a result and they didn't know what it was. Well, anyways, if you, if you know the story, and I'm assuming all of us here do, they attacked Normandy, and they were successful. And they won. We won the war, World War II. Right? We were able to take back uh, the land that was, that was stolen, and, and, um, and the, the Nazi uh, regime came down, and we were vic- uh, victorious. Well, something incredible happened, though. Following that, as the men were getting ready to leave after the, the war was over, they're leaving on this, this boat, and they're all together. It's the same group of guys that stormed Normandy and, and stormed parts of Europe. They're on this boat, and it's, it's a good boat, so morale was good, but all of these people started noticing something different in the ship. And, and they couldn't explain what it was. It, it seemed like there, had, there was something that was different, something that changed in the mindset of everyone. And Knox thought for a second, because he had a lot of people actually come up to him saying, you know, we've won the war. What, what's changed? What's, what's wrong with everyone? And as he reflected on it, he actually realized that the answer was quite simple. During the months that had preceded and, and followed D-Day, he said, in a, in a reflection with a reporter, he said, our thoughts had a minimum of self-centeredness in them. But then, the moment that we no longer had a mission in mind or a united success or a united purpose, everyone, everyone started looking to their own purpose in life. And everyone started to scatter. And so morale went down. Everything changed in the room. And Paul says in Philippians 1.5, I always pray with joy because of what? Because of our partnership in the mission, in the gospel from the first day. Paul has joy because of what he partnered with, uh, with the church He has this joy because there was a partnership, there was a a mission, there was a, a focus. It didn't mean that the mission was easy, but he found joy because of a common goal together. You know, one of the biggest questions that we ask ourselves in life is, what is my purpose? What is my purpose in life? We probably ask ourselves this a million times in our life. We ask it, and then we spend a lifetime trying to figure out, hoping that when we do figure it out or along the way, we will have happiness, we'll find joy. Uh, one, of my old, uh, one of my favorite old bands, uh, the Beatles, um, yes, I do like classic stuff, uh, despite my hipster clothing, um, but... Uh, uh, George Harrison from the Beatles was interviewed once. And if you know Beatlemania, it went worldwide. Like they took over the USSR and they changed everything that was going on. Um, And so he had all this fame. He had all this success. He met all the famous people. He traveled the entire world on this search for his purpose. And he had this to say at the end of his endeavor. He said, when you've had all the experiences, met all the famous people, made some money, toured the world, and got all the acclaim, you still think, is that it? Is that it? Some people might be satisfied with that, but he says, I wasn't, and I'm still not. You know, George Harrison had everything in the world that you could ever want and still felt empty inside. He chased after everything he thought his purpose was and he found himself unhappy. And in the end, he said, is this it? Is this everything that my life amounts to? And I'm sure a lot of you here even today might be asking the same question. Is this it? Like, is this what I'm gonna be doing the rest of my life? And I think it's because, I think we ask these questions because purpose was never meant to be a a solo pursuit, but that's what we make it. We make purpose a solo pursuit. The real question that will bring us true joy is not what is my purpose, but actually what is our purpose? I honestly believe that you will find more fulfillment. You'll get more answers when you start asking that question. Not what is my purpose, but what is our purpose in life? What is our purpose? And the Bible actually is very clear about our purpose today. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You want to know what your purpose is in life? That's your purpose to join together and preach the good news to everyone. You know, I I am called to, to pastor, and not all of you are necessarily called to be a pastor, but all of us are called to preach. All of us are called to tell people about Jesus. And I think one of the, the biggest um, problems that we have today is we actually allow the, the world to move us. We kind of move with the world. But in reality, we are called to actually move the world by our love, by our actions, by, by preaching the gospel. It is us who is called to make a change in the world. And so you have this incredible privilege today to be a part of that, to be united in something. And I guarantee that if you change that mindset from, our, uh, from my purpose to our purpose and you start doing what God has called each one of us to do, we will see a huge difference in Milton. We would see a huge difference in Mississauga. We would see a huge difference in Brampton if we changed it from a self centeredness to, to uh, something that is considering others more. What is our purpose? True joy is experienced in community with others that is anchored in partnership and a common goal. Can I be honest with you today? And it's a silly question because I'm going to be honest with you. Um, we have a lot of needs in, in church, there's a lot of, th- there's a lot of need. From, from setting up this room to uh, our coffee stations to the band to our kids ministry to um, our youth ministry that we're starting up next Friday to our growth groups. We have a lot of need. And I don't think we were meant to be consumers. We were meant to be people that would work together in and through the church. And so we have a lot of need right now. I don't know if, if um, you have the time or you can make it a priority, but we need help in kids' ministry. We need help in youth ministry. We need help in our worship band. And if you've got these talents or gifts, the worst thing that we can do is just sit in a row and not use them and not help each other out. What is your gift? God has given each one of us gifts. What is your gift that can make a difference in the lives of someone today? Or someone tomorrow? I've said this before. I honestly don't believe that it's, it's the world that decides how our children will be raised. It's people in this room using your gifts and your talents to invest in them. What does that look like for you? Does that mean leading a growth group? Does that mean helping out in the worship band even though it means that you have to give a night? Does it it mean being a part of our, our setup crew where you have to come a little bit early on a Sunday where normally you can relax, right? What does that look like for you? We need your help. And you're... True joy will come not in just attending, but in serving. You know, I find the, the, the most times that I'm happy is not when I'm getting something. It's when I'm giving something, right? I, you know, I used, to, I used to really appreciate Christmas because it seemed to be all about me, right? I just get dozens of gifts, and it was awesome. And then one day, I was able to actually afford giving my mom the worst, cheapest, terrible necklace. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking. But I tell you, I saw the joy that was on her eyes when when I gave it to her. And no, I wasn't like 21 when I gave it. I was like five. But right, some of you are like, this was reason, wasn't it? I remember the joy in her eyes when I, I gave her something. And that's the feeling that we can give to someone else in this room when we give of our time, when we make this a priority, when we make church a priority, when we make living in partnership a priority like Paul was with the church in Philippi. Partnering together not only means that we have a shared purpose, but it also means that you have a shared reward. We have a shared reward. Paul says this in Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Confidence is a tricky one. You know, uh, I'd like to think I have a lot of confidence in things, um, you know, but I don't always have confidence in my integrity, I don't always have confidence in my character. You know, I don't always have confidence in my love and my, you know, approach when it comes to forgiveness. And I know that that we all struggle with this. And there's a lot of things that I I struggle with when it comes to confidence. But there's this one thing that I can be confident in is that God is doing a good work in me. And that God is doing a good work in you. That he is working on each one of us so that we will be complete when we get to heaven and that we will experience a wonderful reward that each one of us will have a shared reward, which is heaven, which is being with Christ. Which is why I love, I love Paul's prayer to the church. He says in Philippians, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters most. You see what he's saying here? I want you to understand what matters. That you would grow in love, that you would overflow in love. That's what matters most. And how do we do that? We get it through knowledge and understanding of God. The more we know God, the more we can live for God. The more we know and understand what God is up to, the more that we can love and invest in others. We need to grow in that love today. So let me ask you, are you living with purpose for the things that really matter most today? On your priority chart, what matters most? What is it? Should it be there or does it need to be replaced with something else? I love what Timothy says in, in verse four, uh, chapter four. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. Friends, we are—we might not be in a physical battle, but we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a race where we are trying to get to heaven. And there is a reward that comes if we don't quit, if we don't give up, but if we continue to partner together and serve God's kingdom wholeheartedly with everything that we've got.